a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Religion Today with Martin Tanner, a weekly look at religion and spirituality here at home and around the world. Now, here's your host, Martin Tanner. Welcome. This is Religion Today. I'm your host, Martin Tanner. Today, I'm delighted to have with me in studio a gentleman who I met not that long ago, but who I already feel is a good friend, and that would be Scott Drummond. Thank you for joining us today, Scott. It's a pleasure to be with you. You are here today because we have a couple of things to share with our listening audience. One of those is that there's an upcoming conference in Utah over Labor Day weekend. It's the International Association for Near-Death Studies Conference. Last time it was in Utah was back in 1998, so you know it doesn't come around very often. This is a wonderful opportunity. If somebody would like to go to hear about near-death experiences from Latter-day Saints and from others, go to the internet. Go to iands.org, iands.org. You can sign up for some or all of the conference or even just one speaker. And I have a special code. For locals and students, if you type in all caps, S-T-U-D-E-N-T, 288, all run together, student in all caps, 288, you'll get 60% off, which is a great discount code. So instead of it costing three or $400, you can go for a very, very reasonable price, student 288, all, all caps, all run together. It's going to have films. It'll be a great time. You'll be able to actually talk to people who've had near-death experiences. And Scott, you will be there sharing your experience on Saturday morning. And so I wanted to hone in right now on your experience, which happened what year? When? It happened 40 years ago. 40 I'm years 69 ago. 69 years old. <laughs> <laughs> and it took you a long time to share it. Why is that? Why did it take you so long to come out and describe your experience? First of all, I felt like it was very sacred. And it was something that I felt like was a gift to me. And so therefore, for the last 40 plus years, I've been living it every day, trying to figure out how I can maybe be kinder to other people maybe do more service, maybe be more understanding, maybe be a better husband, a better father. 
But to be honest with you, I had planned on taking it to my grave. You you would not have shared it? No, I would not have. But you decided to shortly after COVID hit because? Help us understand. I was walking along the river trail by our house in Provo. And a gentleman by the name of Wes Lapali came up to me and asked me, point blank, I understand you're not afraid to die. And I said, no, I'm not afraid to die. He said, how would you like to share your story? And he had a podcast uh, that he did, and he, he asked me point blank, and I said, no. And he said, you know, you really could help a lot of people right now. Because there's a lot of people out there that have lost hope and they would like somebody to give them some kind of hope. And I said, no again, meaning because it was so close to my heart and I did not want to share it. Well, the next thing he said was, there's a lot of people in the world that are dying because of COVID-19. And I... He says there's mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, friends that are dying because of this COVID. And I sat there for a few minutes and then I walked away, not giving him an answer. I went back home and I sat down with my wife. And I, I said, told her what had happened, that Wes had came up to me and asked me to, to talk about my story. And I told him no. And... My wife's a, a religious young lady, and she says, well, why don't we pray about it? And I sat down and said a prayer, and Connie, my wife, said a prayer. And when I got through, the one thing that came to mind was it was all about the one. And I shook my head as to think, what would this have to do with the one? And the first thing that came to my mind was a shepherd who had sheep. And this shepherd had a hundred sheep, but yet one of them decided to leave the fold. And what did the shepherd do? Because he knew all of his sheep. He knew them by name. He didn't know them by a number. He knew them by name because he led them. And so what he did is he left the 99 and went after the one. And it hit me really hard because I thought, if I could affect one person with my story, with my experience, maybe it might help somebody understand what death is about. And so after having that experience, I went to my wife and she says, well, I think it's about time. And I went, I don't want it to be degraded. I don't want anybody to tear it down. Because this is something that means a lot to me. Connie knew bits and pieces of it, and probably the most out of anybody. And my kids knew bits and pieces of it, but not the entirety of my experience. But this is why I went back to Wes uh, and Wes decided to take it into a studio and record it, and he did a very good job. It was very professionally done. 
And he let me just tell my story. Which is a wonderful thing because often you have somebody who's conducting a podcast who directs it so much that you don't get a chance to really tell your story. For our listeners, over 19 million people have now watched that podcast. That's a huge number of people worldwide and probably from almost every country. That would not have happened, I don't believe, Scott, I'm, well, I'm sure, if it were not for the fact that it's influenced people and they've shared it with others and said, you should watch this. This has something to say. Why, why do you think that's happened? Why do you suspect that your description of what happened to you on the other side is so popular? And, and for those who are listening, we'll get to some of the contents and what happens. Just hold, hold in there for a minute. First of all, I, I didn't tell the story. When I prayed about it before I went into – to the podcast, I turned this over to my Father in Heaven because I'm not a big speaker. And I turned it over to him to say the words in my heart to those that might hear it. And this is the only reason. I walked out of that podcast, and I don't even remember what I said, but I do know after I reviewed it, that it was exactly what I saw and exactly what I felt. Wow. We are speaking with Scott Drummond. He's going to be sharing his experience at the IONS conference over September 1st through the 4th. I know he's going to be speaking on Saturday, September 3rd. If you are interested in hearing what he has to say, you can sign up for the conference at iands.org, ions.org. And if you want 60% off for locals and students, use the STUDENT, all caps, S-T-U-D-E-N-T, 288 discount code. On the other side of our break, we're going to ask Scott a little bit about what happened to him in his near-death experience because that is just – a fascinating story, and it's a story of hope. So stay tuned. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today. We'll be right back. Religion Today with Martin Tanner continues on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. We're back. This is Religion Today. I'm your host, Martin Tanner. In studio with me is Scott Drummond, who's going to share a bit about his near-death experience, and he'll also be speaking at the IONS conference, which is coming up. If you have a question about this program or any other program or about the IONS conference, feel free to be in touch with me. Feel free to send me an email to martinstanner at gmail.com, martinstanner at gmail.com. So, Scott, we've talked about the big gap between when you had your experience and how it was sort of uh, nudged, pulled, pried out of you <laughs> after thought and, and, some, and some prayer and some consideration with your wife and family. What happened to you? 
those 40 years ago in a, in a nutshell tell tell our listeners what happened to you and then after that we'll get into the impact that it had on your life after i had my experience and i had a review of my life i realized that the way i was living wasn't the way i should have been reliving I realized that my goal was to make money. And as an avid sports, I played basketball and baseball. Sometimes you aren't as kind to the people because you have to move up and you have to move up fast. And after I got through playing sports, I went into business and went to work for the government. And I wanted to move up as fast as I could because at that point, it was all about money. And I realized that after my experience that when I was standing there in that field, there were no motorhomes. There was no fancy cars. You're talking about the field in your near-death experience. In my near-death experience. And there was no boats. All it was was just myself. And after that experience, I came back, I realized that I needed to be a better husband. I needed to be a better father. I needed to be a better friend. I had to learn how to listen because beforehand I was doing all the talking. And I found out how important it is to listen. And I'm still learning that. I'm not perfect at that, but I, I'm trying to f- be a true friend to where when they have concerns, I want to listen and be truly concerned about what they're going through. Sometimes they'll ask for advice, sometimes they don't, but sometimes you just need a sounding block in your life. And... I learned how to enjoy my family rather than dedicate myself to my job because I wanted to be a millionaire. And that is the truth. I I was working to be a millionaire and I was going to do anything I could to get to that point. But when I had my experience, that's not what is important in life. I found out my wife who... We were having a few struggles at the time because I was working out of town and coming home about every three weeks out of the month and she was raising the kids and and it was hard on her. And until I had my experience, I I had to pay attention to what was going on more rather than chasing the mighty dollar. And I... Honestly, I'm proud I had the experience. Um, and and I, why do you say that? Because I learned what life is about. You know, I learned that I can't judge people. I'm not people's judges. I, I learned how to step back and look at people the way they are. 
because you don't know where they've been, what they're doing here, and where they're going. And I'm still learning these things. It's taken me over 40 years, little bit by little bit by little bit, to learn what I've learned. And I'm still learning. I know we're here on this earth to learn. I know from my experience that I came from somewhere. I also know that because of my experience, I know that I'm going somewhere after this life. And what I found out is what I saw was real. And it was it was one of the biggest wake-up calls I've ever had. And I I did not want to come back. It was so beautiful. I didn't want to come back. And and I know that the reason why I think I was sent back is because of my selfishness. That I had I had more lessons to learn on this on this earth. Can you give our listener and and we've only got a couple minutes left. There's no way you can tell your whole experience, but what did you see that let you know you you needed to change? How how was that communicated to you, or how did you experience that? When I was standing in the field after I left the earth, if you want to say, with a twinkle of an eye, I was standing in a field. I watched a video of my life. Now, I want to explain that. It's not like a video screen in front of you where you see a movie. And it it was in my mind. And because it was in my mind, I lived it. I lived everything I saw from the day I was born, laying on my mother's belly all the way up until I was 28 years old. And that had an impact on you, seeing your life. Some things were good. Some things weren't so good. But the one thing that I can say is everything I saw and watched was done with love. I know I don't know how I can explain it. That was this this is a critical point because people often think I'm going to die, there's going to be this judgment, I'm going to be ashamed of horrible things, I can't ever repent, it's not going to ever be okay for me because of this or that or the other. Tell people why that's not so. Why is that not so? Everything that I was judged on was done pure. I don't know how to how to explain it other than I felt like it was the pure love of Christ. And, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian, and I wasn't very active in the church at the time when it happened. But I can say now that it was so pure that I will never forget it. And it was done with so much love. Every day I wake up, I want to feel that peace in my life. Because it was that pure. Could I be accurate in saying that what was conveyed to you through this experience of having your life before you in front of deity was that you had love, but no harsh judgment. You had love, and the sense of it was, what can I learn from seeing all this? What I can say is what I saw was what it was. 
and I there there was nobody to argue with. There was nobody to discuss it with or to explain, you know, what I'd done in that situation. It was black and white. It was good and bad. <laughs> there was no fence in the middle. And and you learned from that experience. We are just thrilled to have you today share just a tidbit of your experience. And I hope people who are listening will uh, perhaps come in here more of it at the IONS conference, and I know you have a book that's coming out that that's a very pure rendition of, of your story, so we'll look forward to that and maybe talk to you about that more in the future. Thank you so much for being a guest on Religion Today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America, but this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin, and my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.